1: Today's guest, Bernadette Davison, is a mother who lost a daughter to adoption in Cairns in 1985 at the age of 18. Bernadette now resides near Perth in Western Australia and is sharing her story with us via Zoom. Welcome to Adopt Perspective, Bernadette. We are so happy to have you join us. Oh, Thank you so much for
0: having me. Very exciting.
1: Bernadette, um, adoption was a presence in your life long before you became pregnant. Can you tell us a little about your family and how they were touched by adoption before your daughter was born?
0: Yes. um, I have an older sister and myself. And then there was a big gap. And in 1973, um, my brother arrived. We went and um, got him from Townsville. So he was adopted. And um, so that was very exciting for us. He was 10 days old, and but I do, I did have a little um, uh, memory of what happened and it wasn't all nice. I remember um, we'd gone to see a baby at the office in Townsville and we were in the waiting room and mum and dad had gone into another room and mum came out crying oh, no, I think we'd actually seen this baby. And then something happened and then they were called back and mum came out crying and we went back to our accommodation with no baby. And I was, how old would I have been? Uh, seven. So I remember asking mum and she I can't remember what she said. I don't think she said anything. And then it was a couple of days later we went and had a look at another baby. And that's the baby we took home. So years later, mum said that the mother had changed her mind um, with the first baby. So yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then in 1975, um, our other brother, we had, mum and dad adopted another uh, boy, and so we've got I've got two younger brothers who are both adopted, and that has been a roller coaster. Uh, their lives and our lives our relationships we grew up we all grew up with the notion that um, adoption was the right thing to do um, and that it was acceptable and a loving thing to do so that was my upbringing
1: it's certainly not unusual for someone of our vintage Close to the same age, um, to have a lot of adoption touching their lives. I, I grew up with like three biological siblings, um, but have um, an adopted niece and nephew, and I have three adopted cousins, and um, and it sort of adds to that complexity of of what we think about adoption, doesn't it?
0: It sure does. Yes, yeah. and it's it's subliminal. It's there. Yeah.
1: Mm. Benedict, can you tell us about your pregnancy and what led up to your daughter being placed for adoption?
0: I became pregnant uh, at the end of 1984 and I was very naive. And um, so mum was actually, well, mum, when I say mum, mum and dad, but dad was always in the background. Um, Mum was very supportive um, during my pregnancy uh, in the the side of um, care, physical care, because mum was a midwife. Mm-hmm. so um, we did all that we went to all the classes and all that sort of thing um, but uh, it was just a given it wasn't really discussed at the start but it was a given that I would give the baby up for adoption um, but there's another side to this lead up um, to the pregnancy was my sister my older sister became pregnant at the same basically at the same time She wasn't in Cairns. She was in another place, another town. And so she went away and uh, so that wasn't, she went to family down south and so a lot of people in Cairns didn't know she was pregnant. So that, there was a lot of pressure there, a lot of sadness. Um, We used to write to each other, my sister and I, um, and discuss our pregnancies but not about what was going to happen after we'd had our babies. So it was a quite a sad time, really. And I look back now and I think mum must have been incredibly sad. You know, I never thought about how mum would have felt. So, um, yes, yeah, so I had a fairly good pregnancy. Um, then I guess we talked about the options, but I, I have no recollection of sitting down and actually having a discussion. I guess we did, but it was just assumed. Um, I was told closer to the time um, that I had her that um, I was I was young and I, in the family. Um, I guess my position was the clumsy one, the silly one, you know, the one that was always falling over and getting into trouble and you know, impetuous. And so I was told that um, it would be best if I gave her up for adoption because there's no way I could have raised a child um, and it would fall on mum. But then there was also my sister. So we had to make the same decision. That was what I was told, that my sister and I had to make the same decision um because she couldn't have kept the baby it wouldn't have been fair on anyone if she'd kept the baby and I'd given my baby up and vice versa so um the decision was made yeah and before I knew it because I was 18 um before I knew it I had her and I'd signed the papers and that was that
1: That's that's an awful lot of pressure that was put on your shoulders then. Um, Obviously, you and your sister being pregnant at the same time would have had a lot of impact on you and, in general, the family dynamic. Definitely, definitely,
0: yep. Mm -hmm. And it affected our relationship, my sister and my relationship, um, for many, many years. But I carried around this guilt. And when I actually told my sister, she said, what are you talking about?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: she had no idea and she said bernie i've never i've never felt that way and i said because i i I said i'm so sorry i've ruined your life and and she said no she said i've never i've never felt that way so Mm. it was all my you know it was all internal in, in in me yeah so yeah it's been a burden yes
1: it's a lot to carry around yeah yeah so, um, what was your experience like with the hospital and social workers during this time? Did you feel any pressure or support from them regarding the adoption?
0: Uh, well, um, as I said, I had very good um, care while I was pregnant. There was no problems whatsoever with any of that. Um, I wasn't talked down or looked down, not frowned upon, because remembering this is 1985. Mm -hmm. So, you know, their attitudes were changing. Um, I did go to, because um, I came from a very strong Catholic background, um, I did go to an organisation called Pregnancy Help, which was I didn't realise but was tied up with the Catholic Church. So I don't remember much of what was discussed. Um, Yeah, it's all a bit of a blur, but I know I went with mum. Mum went, came everywhere with me, whatever appointments I had. Um, I did the uh, the local priest um, gave me a little bit of work. Uh, I think it was one day a week, and I used to type for him, and I'd get a little bit of pocket money. And uh, where well, he was actually a lovely man, but I remember I t- I spoke to him once about it, and he said it's not that you're, it's not the fact that you're pregnant that's bad. It's what you did to get pregnant that was bad yeah so i i remember being very devastated about that um so i didn't talk about it with him anymore so um but once i got to the hospital and it's funny a lot of this is a blur but i had a very rapid labor and the decision before i had her i remember was that i didn't want to see her the, the baby no as soon as I have the baby, take her, take the baby away. But the minute she was born, this the overwhelming um, maternal instinct kicked in, and it was. I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is overwhelming," and I said, "I have to, I have to see her, I have to see her, I have to hold her." So I did that. Um, yeah, I, I was given a lot of respect, shown a lot of respect. I remember the nurses said, "Would you like to hold her? Would you like?" to feed her they asked me if I'd like to feed her and I said no um but I I could see her anytime I wanted I just had to press the buzzer and say could I see my baby and they would bring her up because I was in the maternity ward but she was in the nursery um I had a, a, a quite a significant complication after I had had my daughter so I had to have surgery afterwards so I was probably a couple of days. Um, I didn't see her. I was quite quite unwell. Got over that. So I was actually in hospital for longer than normal. I'd probably been in hospital for 10 days, I'd say. Um, but it, it was just assumed that I would give her up for adoption. So obviously I told them or mum told them that um, this is what's going to happen. Uh, the grandmother uh, on the father's side, um, she came to visit and I remember that was very hard, very awkward. Mum was there and um, I think she wanted to say that not to do what I was going to do, but I don't think the words were said or not that I heard. So maybe there was discussion outside the room, I'm not sure. but as for the staff, the nursing staff, I don't really, really remember the doctors, they were all quite respectful and supportive. And right before I was due to go home, a nurse took me into another room and talked to me about contraception and all that sort of stuff. And that was that. So I let, I went home and I remember breaking down in the lift when we were... Um, yeah, you know, but when I was leaving the hospital, going to the car, breaking down and then going home. Um, and I think I stayed in my room for a couple of days. Yeah. So that was my experience.
1: Yeah. Bernadette, you said um, a few times there that your mother was with you for this appointment, your mother was with you for this conversation. Was it supportive that she was there with you the whole time? It was more supportive. Yeah. Uh,
0: mum is not a, an overpowering person at all. She's very gentle. Yeah. Um, Very loving. Yeah. But I guess I turned to mum for the physical side of things mm. but, Um, because I felt I was out of my depth. And then when, yeah, I guess I had no one Um, and it was just assumed. The, I can't remember a lot uh, of the mm. specifics, but I never really felt that mum was talking for me but I would turn to mum mm. and and you know so someone may uh would have asked me a question and I would have turned to mum um and she would have probably answered for me
1: yeah
0: um so yes I guess it was from, with mum it was a more supportive loving role but the whole time um I at saying all that I didn't have a voice mm. my choice was taken away from me yeah and I, I, and I think I, I knew that at the time, but I just couldn't name it or I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah.
1: Were you told at the time about your rights to change your mind? I,
0: yes, I was. Um, and I was only thinking about that the other day. And I can't remember the time that I was given, but I think it was 30 days because um, I remember when I signed the forms, the social worker came to... Mum and Dad's house, and I remember where I was sitting, at the dining room table, and that's when she said, "I had the thirty days," um, and there were many, many. It was probably every day, probably minutes of every day that I, I thought, right, I'm going to go and tell Mum and Dad i have changed my mind, but I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't get the words out, and I can't explain it. I can't explain why, but it was like I, did, you know, all I can say is that I didn't have a
1: voice. Yeah. So what was life like for you after your daughter's adoption? Uh, It was all a
0: blur to start with. Um, I guess I pushed it all down and I got a job, my first real job, um, not long after, and life just continued. Um, the, uh, The father of my daughter and I tried to get back together And it didn't happen. We were both, it was all too hard. He suffered a lot because his family wanted him to marry me and he was too shy and too, you know, he was a a kid too. He didn't know what to do. I guess he felt a bit trapped. Um, And I've just had another flashback. Now, it would have been within the 30 days. I remember the phone rang one night and Dad answered it. And it was the father's mother, the grandmother who'd come to the hospital, was ringing. And I don't know what was, well, I do know what was discussed, but I didn't know at the time. But I heard Dad saying, no, it's all under control. It's all been decided. Thank you, but no thanks. And it turned out that they had offered to bring her up. Um, Yeah, there was an auntie and uncle, or I think a brother of, yeah, anyway, it would have been an auntie and uncle. Um, they had offered to, I think, adopt her or bring her up anyhow. Mm. And and Dad had said no. Yeah. So that was a shock. And then I travelled in 1990. I travelled because I just had to get away and all I wanted was another baby. <clears throat> yeah, so then I married in 1994 and then had my son in 1995.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Did you tell anyone about her adoption or her birth? Or uh,
0: When I was in the UK, I did. Yeah. I made a lot of close friends. So I told them. Uh, didn't tell many other people, no. No, it's just something that you just go on with, just discussed. Yeah. And I, I could not, I, I've thought about this often. And I don't even think I f- would have felt that I had the right to say I had a daughter. Because yeah. all the, I, I was told to by my parents that all my rights had been taken away as a mother. So she was someone else's child, and that's how it was.
1: Um, and,
0: and often whenever I would um say to mum, wanted want, want to discuss it, she would discuss it but it would always go back to um it was the right thing to do it was a loving the bravest thing to do the most loving thing to do and you know look at your brothers look at the wonderful life they're having um yeah and that was it
1: yeah did uh, your experience impact your decision to have more children
0: yes certainly yes Um, I wanted another baby. I would have had another baby probably a year later, but thank goodness I didn't. But um, I was so traumatised. I just wanted, I felt that. And, again, I, I couldn't find a word for it, but I guess it was a replacement or um, I felt that I was. I had been cheated. So I wanted to be able to make that decision myself. And the only way to have another baby was would be to get married, And I'm married for the wrong reasons. I'm married to have a baby. Um, Yeah, so it certainly did have an impact.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Did it um, impact you in how you mothered your children?
0: Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, I've got two sons, so sons are different to daughters. Um, I was over the top, over the top with them, with wanting to keep them safe. yeah, well, I was, a, by the time my youngest was 18 months old, so my two are only 18 months apart and my marriage was over and I was a single parent. Um, so I was hypervigilant with everything and, um. yeah, I was just, I guess, terrified that something would happen to them or they would leave or their father would take them. That was another thing. Um yeah, it certainly did affect my parenting and my children tell me that often, especially my youngest son. He'll say to me, "Oh, mum, just back off." You know, you don't have to micromanage my life. I mean, they're 26 and 25 now, so. Um yeah, and I actually feel sad now because um it ha- did have an impact on them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You went on, Bernadette, to reunite with your daughter. Can you tell us about that?
0: Wow, that's been a roller coaster. Uh, um, so it was on her tw- on her 18th birthday, I decided to tell my children, and it was a, oh, it was so wonderful to be able to tell them. I was I was nervous about it, but I just knew that I had to do it because I had um, put my name on the register. And I was hoping that she would too. So I wanted to prepare them, which I did. And they reacted completely differently to how I thought they would, of course. My eldest son uh, was just gobsmacked. And mind you, they're only fairly young. I'm just trying to think how old they would have been. They're a primary school, probably year five, year six, year five, year four. Um, so my eldest son didn't know what to think. And I realised later it's. Because he he wouldn't be the eldest anymore, yeah. so his place his place in the family, and because I was a single mum as well, he would have taken his role very seriously.
1: Yeah,
0: and my youngest, well, he just thought it was the best thing ever, and he was over the moon, and he went to school. It was funny because I worked at I worked at the school that that they went to, and um, the following day, his teacher came and said, "Can I just have a little chat?" And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, your son told me um, something really interesting yesterday, that he's got a big sister and that he's going to see her soon. And I said, oh, okay. So I told her all about it and, that you know, they were fine. Um, but, yes, he was just beside himself. So over the moon to have a big That's sister.
1: That's beautiful.
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah it was, it was uh, it was actually a lovely time yeah yeah but you know at that stage i hadn't even met her i didn't know whether her name was on the register she had only just turned 18 so it so then we just got on with their lives and then when she turned 21 um i don't think i contacted the department uh until then and i think i can't remember the exact course of events but I think I got a letter from the department saying um, your daughter has made contact, you know, would, would like to make contact. Is this okay? And I said yes. So um, that was a very exciting time for me. And I remember the feelings that I had. And when I told my parents and I remember mum cried, she was very happy. And I can't remember. Dad was always in the background. I. I can't really remember uh, what he what he had to say, um, and it was interesting for my poor sister. When I say my poor sister, I shouldn't say like that, but um, she had she was uh, she at that stage had not um, gone on to the register, so she was a bit worried. She was. My, I am more impetuous and more. Um, come on, let's just get on with it whereas my sister's more reserved like that. So, um, but at the time, I wasn't really thinking about her feelings, I have to say. I had a little experience. I had a couple of um, funny experiences, but I'd gone to the shops. It must've been my day off. I was at the shops and I was at the checkout and I, it was like someone was behind me and I heard a voice and they said, go home. And I just ignored it. And then I was still in line waiting and this voice said in my ear, go home now. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on here? And I turned around, there was no one behind me. So I thought, oh, maybe the house is on fire. Maybe, you know, God's telling me something. So, okay. So I paid for my stuff and got in the car. And as I was just coming up down my street, just getting onto the driveway, the postman came and put, something in the letterbox. So I pulled up and went to the letterbox and it was a card, didn't know the writing. And it was a card from my daughter. So, oh my goodness, that was, I would say, next to the birth of my sons, that was the happiest day of my life. And I remember everything in minute detail about that day. And uh, so beautiful card from her. And, I, and the bizarre thing was that I had sent her a 21st birthday card and apparently later on we worked out that it, that had arrived on that day as well
1: where oh, she wow. was.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that was very exciting. So then I think we wrote a letter after that to one another.
1: And so you kind of contacted each other at the same time. Is yeah, that right? Yeah.
0: Exactly the same time.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, it was amazing, yeah. but I, I do regret not getting support hmm. from um, Jigsaw or Post Adoption Services Queensland. Yes, yes. yeah, yes, thank kids. you. <laughs> yes,
1: that's, <laughs> that's it. a total blank. Then,
0: <laughs> yeah, I do regret that because we rushed into it, and it was like a love affair. Yeah, I was. I remember someone saying to me, um, "You're euphoric," and that is exactly how it was. It was like being in love. And having a lover um I, yeah that's all that's how it was and I think it's how, that's how it was for her as well we would ring each other constantly so we weren't in the same towns so our relationship was via the phone um so yeah we rang each other every day uh I think we sent yeah we emailed each other I don't think I would have had a mobile but it was yeah I don't I don't recall sending texts to her Um, and it was just so wonderful to hear her voice. We had the same kind of voice. And so that was, um, yeah, all these things we found out about each other. She had, she'd say to me, um, oh, I've got moles on my back, dark moles. Do you? And I said, yes, I do. And yeah, it was like a a discovery for both of us. So that was at the start and it was just before my 40th birthday, so yes, um, so her birthday. Yes, her birthday was in the August. That was hence I sent the card, and then I didn't have a lot of money, but my family all put together to give me a, a flight to Brisbane to meet her, and that was in the October. So my dearest friend came with me. Um, to support me, so we uh, arranged to meet. I'm not sure where I can say, but can I say where we met in a public just, place? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. We met yeah. in a public place, yeah. And I, oh my god, I nearly had a meltdown before we met. I drank, I don't know, three rums in a row, and you know, I was just a mess. And um, when I saw her, it was like I'd come home. And all I wanted to do was to touch her, to know that she was actually real. Because my fear all those years was that she had died and I would never have known that she would have died. So that was my fear. So I just had to touch her to know that she was real. And, um, yeah, so we had a lovely few days. Um, So she had two people with her as, you know, support people. I think she had had a little bit of counselling or a little bit of she'd gone and seen someone. Not sure. I guess I think it might have been jigsaw. Um, Yes. So she kind of called the shots from the start, really. And looking back, I think I let my guilt override everything. Um, I can't quite explain it, but. I remember saying to her, um, "I know I don't have any right, you know. I gave you up for adoption, and I kept saying this repeatedly, um, which wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for the way she saw me. I think maybe she saw me as a weak person. Not sure. Um, yeah. So they then it started our roller coaster relationship, and it's been a roller coaster ever since."
1: Yeah. Well, and one thing I've learned about adoption and reunions is that they don't always follow a smooth trajectory and they can and often do have ebbs and flows and mine certainly has. However, I've never for one moment regretted the reunion. What has reunion brought to your life?
0: Oh, gee whiz. Um, oh, so much. Um, it's made me understand myself more. It's helped me realize that I was I didn't have a voice. Um, and that it wasn't my fault. Um, it's I guess it re, uh, the reunion has given me freedom yeah. um to to get the help or to seek help to talk to someone, uh, to talk about it and to be proud that I have a daughter, Um, and also to understand my brothers more as well. Um, And just the capacity to love is always there. You know, that love never, ever, um, never went. And that even though at the moment we don't really have a relationship, we're not in contact, um, I love her deeply. And I'm incredibly proud of her. And, um, yeah, so it's, I guess it has been a positive thing. Yep. Yeah.
1: How is your relationship with your family at the current time? Have you been able to talk about or work through some of the issues that happened around the time of the adoption? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I had a lot of
0: anger. I carried around a lot of anger for many years. Um. And I would bring it bring it up with both my parents, but mainly Mum, and say, Mum, you know, I was cheated. I didn't have a choice, and and she'd just say, I'm so sad about about that, but um, that was just how it was, and you couldn't have raised a child. I mean, it was just the same, the same answer. Um, so, but in the end. Um uh and, and as a result of me having counseling and um going on a retreat and, and all that sort of thing, realizing my my own triggers, I've learnt to um move on or to forgive, forgive myself and also my parents because I truly believe it was an it that was all they knew and there was nothing malicious in it and mum mum is a very loving nurturing person so she would have loved having a grandchild I, I know it um, but um yeah so I've learned to forgive and accept that I can't change anything that was how it was so yeah
1: yeah you shared with me recently that you didn't feel that forced adoption and the apology were were for you until you attended a federal apology anniversary event about three years after the apology was given. Mm. Why did you feel that way and what changed for you when you went to the event?
0: Um it's funny, I remember when it was on the news and I was shocked at Julia Gillard. You know, I thought it was I was curious, but I was shocked because um, I can't explain it, but even though I knew that it was the right thing, that, yes, an apology had to be said, I, I uh, separated myself from that and I felt that um, I, I, I never even listened to it because that I, I wasn't worthy to be apologised to because I made that choice myself, even though I know now that I didn't, because I signed the papers. I was 18, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't forced, um, and that was how I saw it. So it wasn't until I moved to Western Australia and I sought some um, counselling over here with a similar organisation that they said to me, well, there are a lot of older ladies there because I was the young young one in the support group, of course. Um, the rest had their babies in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And they all said, oh, we're, we've got the third anniversary of the of the um, apology, Julia Gillard apology. It's on such and such a date and here's an invitation and um, we'd love you to come. And I said, oh, okay, I'll see what, what I'm doing. And I had no intention of going whatsoever. And it was on the kitchen table and my husband must have seen it. And he said, what's this about? And I told him, he said, well, I'm not working that day, so let's go. And I said, oh, I don't think so. He said, no, I I think it'll be a good thing. I'd like to meet these women that you talk about. So we went. I was very, very anxious the whole time. Um, So I went into the room and they had the apology on a screen um, in the room. And it was, and I just fell apart. The apology was so beautiful, and um, and these women just got it. They didn't have to say anything. They surrounded me with love and understanding, and I cried. And I think I'm going to cry now. Sorry. I think
1: I'm going to do too. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, I felt finally that it wasn't my fault. Sorry. So uh, it was a wonderful moment, actually, Yeah. to be truly understood. And uh, even my husband cried. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and I think finally that was what I needed to do, Um, and that was only three years ago. Hmm. So, you know, I'm 53, so it's taken all that time to realise that I did deserve an apology.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm so glad your husband took you there that day. Oh,
0: I'm so glad too. Yes. Yeah. It was a, I'll never forget it. And these women, you know, what they suffered, oh, my goodness, some of their stories. And I just had the utmost respect for these women. So, But they were so respectful of me. You know, the whole time I felt that I didn't deserve to be there. In my mind I was thinking, why am I here actually, you know? Why is it that I'm here? You know, yeah, I needed to hear the apology. Yeah. So every time when I listen to your podcast and that clip, you know, the apology is at the beginning, it takes me back to that day. And it's, yeah, it's just affirming to hear it again and again and again.
1: Well, and that's why we include it too because um, I, like you, it took me a little while to come to the apology and and relate it to my own experience and a lot of people who still yet have to do that. So um, we put it at the beginning of the podcast just so um, that it might draw them maybe to go and listen and and remind themselves or, or learn about that they didn't have a choice at that time.
0: Yeah, No, that's right. Exactly.
1: Yep. Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) Did
1: yes. <laughs> well, wow. in um in the lead up to us recording this episode, we had several conversations as I do with every guest where I confirmed that you're ready to speak publicly about your experience and and each time you confirmed that you were very sure that you were. Why was it important for you to share your story with our listeners today?
0: Um well, I know that it's part of my healing journey. Uh, talking about it um is a good thing. And also, uh, I feel that, even if I can help one other person um, to to realize that they're not alone, um, that hopefully would help. Uh, but also, I I think the real reason, um is that I'm maybe my daughter might listen to this and hear my story for how it was because I feel that I've not really been given that opportunity. And so deep down that is I think the real reason Yeah. um, that she may one day listen to the podcast, come across it, and listen to it. And also um, my friends, I've told a a few of my friends, um and my family haven't told mum um, that I'm doing this podcast and hopefully they'll be able to understand me a little bit more and my children my sons as well I haven't actually told them about about it but I will and yeah I think it's just an opportunity for me to tell my story with no judgment um no interruptions no accusations just my story
1: yeah well, Bernadette, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, and I've loved meeting you and and learning about your story. And I know that hearing it will help others as well. So, um, so thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, thank you, Joe. It's been a very big thing, um, and I'm so glad that I've done it. And thank you for your support and your understanding as well. And I respect you as as an adoptee as as well. You know, um, and look at what you're doing. It's amazing.
1: Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Do you have a story that you'd like to share with us? If you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, jump onto the main podcast page of Jigsaw Queensland website and complete the prospective guest form that you'll find there. And note that Adopt Perspective can be listened to by people all over the world. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www. JigsawQueensland.com, and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 210313, or you can call Jigsaw on 07 6666 if you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Joe Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. Thank you.